Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning. Oh, man. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I single-handedly apparently doomed the entire South Central area because I selfishly did not want snow till after uh, Halloween and... uh, I guess this is where I take full responsibility for that. Um, Good morning. It's snowing in the Matsu, in case you were wondering. And it's snowing in Anchorage. And the snowpocalypse continues. We're going to talk a little bit about that here this morning on the program. And uh, give you the latest and greatest on things that are happening around the state. Um, We'll tell you all about uh, what's going on and what the winter advisories are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, also talk to you about the hot news of the day, uh, anything that's uh, up and coming and things that we can discuss this morning and uh, more. Uh, also, of course, we got uh, we got a lot of things to uh, we got a lot of things going on uh, uh, on the program this week, which we're going to go over and talk about as well. Uh, this morning in hour two, we'll be joined by David Boyle, who is an education advocate and who's going to come in and talk with us about his latest article in Must Read Alaska, which we touched on last week. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, we will be uh, we'll be kind of going over that uh, a little bit more uh, here throughout the program this morning. And. Uh, seeing exactly what it means what exactly what exactly does that mean and we'll be uh, we'll be discussing that uh here uh this morning with david boyle in hour two uh, of the big show uh next monday i got this solidified anyway uh sarah montalbano will be uh, with us for montalbano mondays uh we're going to talk with her about some of the things uh, we're going to be on this education thing for a while um, because more and more I'm becoming convinced that this is going to be kind of the next, I don't know what word do I want to use? I guess the word I want to use is battleground. This is going to be the next battleground over where, where we're going to fight for the future of what we're, we've got going on. That's kind of, it's just kind of where, it's kind of where we're going. And so, um, uh, I'm going to be focused on this here. Uh, for the foreseeable future as we uh, go over this. And uh, so so look forward to this. Look forward to more and more, discuss- more, and more discussions on education as we go through here <clears throat> uh, on the program here uh, over the next few weeks as we come into the end of the year and head into the legislative session, which is just, well, it's two months, two months from now. It's two months and three days, I guess, if you want to be exact about it. 
Um, legislative session is going to start on January uh, the uh, 16th. January the 16th. Yep. And that is going to be, again, just two months and three days from now. So not too long in the distant future. We're going to be duking this out all over again. We're going to be facing it. And uh, we're going to we're going to see. I can again, I can already tell what, uh, you know, what the what the what the talking points are. We can already see it in the various conversations that are being had, some of the opinion pieces. We talked a bit last week uh, about the uh, opinion piece in the uh, in the ADN discussing it and how we're leaving our children behind and how the education system is going to collapse and everything else. So <clears throat> we'll cover all those things and uh, see exactly what is going on with that. So... Anyway, I hope you had a good. <clears throat> I hope you had a good weekend. Um, the school uh, schools in both the uh, Matsu Borough and in the Anchorage Municipality are both closed for today to in person in student you know in person learning. Uh, it's remote learning for all of those uh, for all of those uh, different areas. Power has been flickering on and off. Um, had a power outage in the middle of the night. Uh, how do I know? Well, my CPAP machine stopped and <laughs> I almost died. Uh, so, you know, it's the power's been flickering all over the place. All this heavy snow, every tree in my backyard is bent over. It looks like everybody's bowing down to the house right now. And of course, all that snow on all those trees is uh, taking out power lines left and right. So, uh, <clears throat> If for some reason you just suddenly lose me today, um, I apologize. It's it's not in my control at this point. So just fair warning. If something happens and I just click off and my voice just stop, uh, you know what I mean? Just pay attention. All right. Um, I hope you had a good weekend and I hope you got a lot of stuff done and are ready to go. Let's uh, Let's dive into it. Let's uh, let's dive into this and get things started, um, and uh, let's let's see exactly what is happening. Winter storm warning is now in effect across the state, especially the south central area. Uh, for the Anchorage area, they uh, that winter storm warning is in effect until at least noon today. Heavy snow. Uh, six to nine inches downtown with up to 12 uh, to 14 inches. Uh, up on the Anchorage and Eagle River hillsides, um, just it just doesn't it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, the uh, also a winter storm warning for West Prince William Sound, the Western Prince William Sound, where they are expecting not only a huge amount of snow, but also winds gusting up to fifty miles an hour in the. In the western Prince William Sound area. And then here in the Matsu, again, cumulation of 5 to 10 inches, 5 to 9 inches, I guess. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to exaggerate there. 5 to 9 inches. Uh, travel is going to be difficult, although I don't know how it could be even more difficult than what it was this last Thursday, Friday. Um, the hazardous conditions could impact the morning and evening commutes. Highest totals will likely be from Wasilla West, including Knick Goose Bay Road, which 
is where I live. Hey, thank you so much. And finally, this is Sitna Valley, where the snow is also occurring, total accumulation up to 10 inches. Um, and that's just, it's, this is freaking brutal. Melissa Frey over, who's the chief meteorologist over at um, uh, the Alaska's news source, KTUU. Uh, lines it out and says, well, uh, let's see, even before the storm, which started yesterday, even before this storm, this is the deepest snow that South Central has has ever had on the ground this early in November. They've already set three daily snowfall records in the past six days alone. Oh, man, that's, that's all I can say, man. <laughs> three... Just, oh, man, it's just, oh, my gosh. Um, so, anyway, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting, folks. Buckle up for a very, very interesting, uh, very, very interesting weekend. Uh, or week, I guess I should say, of snow and uh, more. So, um, all right, let's uh, let's see. What else is uh, what else is going on out here? Uh, the Matsu School Board. Oh, no, I'm going to wait to get into that one because I want to talk about that here in just a little bit and tie that in with my uh, tie that in with my discussion on uh, on homeschooling with David Boyle. So we'll hold on to that one. That heavy snowfall, by the way, is going to create some problems, especially. And I know I'm focusing today more on some of the south central area than the folks up in the interior or down in Homer um, or down in the peninsula, I guess I should say. I always think of Homer when I think of the peninsula. It's a sorry, it's a I'm biased. Um, but all that heavy, 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 and it is heavy snow, folks. There is no two. My, both of my neighbors came to me and we were talking, and they both broke cotter keys on their snow blowers, big old heavy snow blowers. One of them broke them twice. That's how heavy the snow is. He can only take a quarter of the he can only take a quarter bite at a time of his, you know, of his intake of his thing. He can only go about a quarter. That's how heavy the snow is. Uh, people need to be concerned about their roofs and everything else as the snow accumulates. There was also some rain on Friday, which was nuts. Um, but uh, so be paying attention if you live out in the in the area here and you are seeing some of these effects. Uh, you want to make sure that you uh, keep your roof clean and uh, and keep all of that squared away uh, as well. The municipality, of course, <clears throat> down in Anchorage is uh, uh, working hard to get the roads cleared, but the ever-increasing amounts of snow, and of course with three days, with you know setting daily snowfall records for three of the last six days, they've been working very hard. The problem is the state has not been keeping up, and this is what's let me let me tell you this is what's been interesting because you know there's been a big battle uh, i mean in case you've lived under a rock between the mayor mayor david bronson and the munis and the uh, municipal assembly and they've been chastising him and they he got really critiqued hard about his snow removal last year and everything else well this year they're already ahead of schedule they did all the feeder and the main roads that the municipality is responsible for um, and then they had moved into the residential areas. In fact, they did the the feeder and the main roads twice because it was snowing so much that by the time they got done, from they had to go back to where they started to scrape them down again. They finally got into the residential roads. But the problem is a lot of the main roads 
in Anchorage are owned by the state. They're not municipal roads. And yet the mayor is getting banged on all this stuff. Uh, Part of Diamond Boulevard, part of Tudor, uh, Jewel Lake Road. There's a bunch of roads in there that are just, and Jewel Lake, by the way, I drove on on Friday. It was like driving on the surface of the moon. I mean, it rattled. I was going 10 miles an hour and it was rattling my teeth out. Um, That's a state road. That's not a municipal road. Well, on Sunday, the mayor directed the municipal snowplows to go down those roads and clean them. Uh, in conjunction, he said he was very in coordination with the state DOT, but apparently the state DOT can't keep up. And it sounds like the mayor was tired of getting blamed for things that weren't his. He didn't have any. So he's directed the municipal graders and equipment onto the state roads to finish some of that stuff up. So I guess we'll we'll see how it all works out. I won't know today because I'm definitely not driving in today, but uh, we'll see tomorrow what tomorrow looks like. Okay, so that's the winter weather stuff. That's all that stuff tied together. And I think that that brings us back to the commercial break. All right, um, back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, follow, subscribe, do all the things here. We're going to be back with more. David Boyle coming up in hour two. We'll return right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Well, hello, my friends. Hello, my friends. Hello. I just called to let you know I see for um that's you can blame my dad for that Neil Diamond uh and my mom I guess um <laughs> Mayor Bronson called Mayor Machiki and asked him how he did it uh most people in Anchorage have no whoops have no I didn't mean I didn't want to delete that comment. I wanted to show it. Most people in Anchorage have no clue as to the patchwork of road maintenance that the muni and the state have created. If you've ever seen the map, it's astonishing. There's an actual map of the city of Anchorage where the roads are color coordinated. And there are whole swaths of the city that are serviced by state roads that the state is not keeping up on. That they have not. And I swear to God, I... I made the mistake of going down Jewel Lake Road on Friday. I had something, a radio station event that I had to get something ready for. So I came off of Diamond and dumped into it, and it was like, okay, I guess Jewel Lake is okay. And so then I drove the other side of it, and my God, it just about rattled the parts off my car. Just astonishing. Just And that's the way Church Road in Wasilla is the same way I drove on Church on Saturday. I mean— Wow. Just. Whew. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, the power keeps going out and everything else. And, uh, you know, 
Everything on the show here is on battery backup, but it will last just long enough for me to shut everything down and make sure that I tell you guys goodbye. That's how long the that's how long the I got about 10 minutes worth of power. Uh, if the power goes out of the house, that will keep most of this stuff on for about 10 minutes for me, just long enough to tell you guys, good night, sweetheart. We'll see you. Oh, um, how do we keep our, how do we keep our roads clean on the Gina and Anchorage can't on the Gina and Anchorage? Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, and Anchorage can't figure it out. Well, Jeremy, again, it's not necessarily, the problem is, is that it is a combination of the state and the Muni. The Muni may be, the Muni may be doing great. The problem is the state makes the Muni look like they're not doing their job because half the roads are state roads. So, I mean, that's what the mayor was like. Nope, we've directed the thing to, to do their thing, to, to go plow the state roads. Um... Glad I filled my bathtubs with water last night. Now we're going to have a power outage, sister. <laughs> Preparedness is not going to do that for you. Uh, I definitely feel it. Um, I opened the doors for the dogs this morning, and they were like, nope. <laughs> Back porch has got like seven inches of snow on it. <laughs> they were like, nope, not, nope, not going to do it. Uh, my dad asked, I wonder what the snow in Valdez is doing. Well... Let's see. They got 46 inches in Thompson Pass last Wednesday and 65 north of the pass. 65, 65 inches of snow north of the pass. And now they're supposed to get another 10 inches with 50 mile an hour winds. I imagine it's probably not going to be great. I'm just throwing that out there. Probably not going to be great. Mm -mm. Welcome to Alaska. <laughs> Bush, welcome to Alaska. Uh, what else did you guys do this weekend? Uh, what I mean, what did you guys, uh, did you have anything fun? I spent all of Saturday under a car, which I swore I would never do again, but it was my son. I was helping him. Um, I, I was tired by end of Saturday night, especially after going up and down church three or four times. Uh, it was crazy, crazy. But, uh, so, but how was your, how was your weekend? Tell me in the chat room how your weekend. You stayed home? Wish I had stayed home all weekend long and done nothing. Put my feet up. Watch my kids shovel the driveway. Why else have, why, why else would I? Go, stay, do your thing. All right, uh, here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, follow, subscribe, do everything else. Let's do it. Here we go. Boom. Well, good morning and welcome back. 
We're continuing now hour one of the big radio show as we continue on with discussions from around the uh, around the state. I just asked the listeners in the chat room what they were uh, what they did over the weekend. I like Bill's solution. Bill said he worked uh, and made a homemade crack, which I saw on Facebook, by the way, Bill, a.k.a. his homemade crack. It's not illegal. It should be bourbon caramel corn which is a bourbon glazed caramel popcorn. Oh my god. I saw that and I went, "Ah. Oh, it looks so so good." David said he drove from Soldadna to Anchorage and back on Saturday. Oh good lord, my son. Why would you Woof. Dang. Oh man. I am uh, I'm just I'm just glad that I I'm glad I spent all day yesterday hanging out with my wife uh, on the couch. We just we just kind of sat around. We watched old movies. Uh, we uh, we I, I cracked into uh, I cracked into my Cary Grant collection, and we watched a couple of old Cary Grant movies. And then she made beer cheese soup, which is just amazing, with fresh pretzels. Oh man, she's an amazing woman. Um, and, uh, we just hung out, had a great day, had a great day, uh, yesterday, which was good because Saturday was miserable. Uh, but we're ready. We're ready to face another week and get things done. So here we go. Uh, all right. Uh, th- we didn't touch on this last week. Uh, it came in pretty late, uh, last week. This came in late Thursday. And of course, Friday was firearms Friday. But I thought I would uh, I thought I would announce this because this is actually some super good news. I was a little bit worried about this. I'll be honest with you. I was a little concerned uh, about what was going on on Thursday. A federal court judge in Anchorage dismissed two challenges against the Willow Project, ConocoPhillips's project saying that the plaintiffs failed to show that the federal government made significant mistakes when it approved the project. This was Judge Sharon Gleason, who had mixed bag, mixed record, as far as I'm concerned, anyway, mixed record. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens. Now, the plaintiffs, which include environmental groups and a whole bunch of different, you know, they're all worried about Willow and yada, yada, yada. They said, they already said that they plan to appeal. Uh, Gleason's verdict to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. In the meanwhile, Gleason's decision means that ConocoPhillips can begin its winter construction season, that uh, people were, it was all holding it off. The court's decision confirms our confidence that BLM's review complied with all legal requirements. It's Eric Isaacson, who's the president of Conoco. Willow underwent nearly five years of rigorous regulatory review and environmental analysis, including extensive public involvement from the communities closest to the project site. We now want to make this project a reality and help Alaskans uh, uh, and Alaskan communities realize the extensive benefits of responsible uh, energy development. A spokesperson for Conoco said by email that about 800 staff and contractors are working on Willow over the winter, and they will build an ice road, set up gravel mining, and work on pipelines that will link Willow to, to TAPS, Trans-Alaska Pipeline System. Um, this is a fantastic Fantastic uh, news. Environmental groups fearing the project's impact on greenhouse gas emissions and climate change said 
said they were disappointed at, at, while they're marching around in their polyethylene shoes and everything else. Um, Eric Graff, who's the deputy, uh, deputy managing attorney for Alaska for Earth Justice, said, while today's ruling is disappointing, we're entirely confident in our claims and plan to appeal to the higher court. Beyond the illeg- illeg- illegality of Willow's approval, Interior's decision to greenlight the project in the first place moved us in the opposite direction of our national climate goals. These people have no idea where the bread is buttered, do they? I mean, they just really have no freaking idea. Um, the coalitions that filed suit in March this year were similar to those that successfully sued the federal government in 2020 to block the project after Trump administration approved it. Um, plaintiffs claim that the Bureau of Land Management failed to consider a reasonable range of alternative development plans and that the agency, uh, which was in charge of permitting the project, violated the National Environmental Policy Act by failing to analyze global greenhouse gas emissions from possible oil development on land adjacent to Willow. I mean, have you seen pictures of Willow? There is just, there is nothing out there. No, but don't worry, it's going to, it's going to be a, oh, it's going to be a problem. Uh, anyway, Gleason's action has a billion dollar implications for the state of Alaska and residents of the North Slope Borough. The borough itself and the North Slope Borough is expected to receive $1.2 billion in tax revenue and an additional $2.6 billion in federal pass-through revenue over the lifetime of the project. Uh, his, uh, uh, and the state expects Conoco to be eligible for more than $350 million in state tax deduction during the first years of development. Um, but it's going to provide a bunch of jobs and 180,000 barrels of oil a day. Now, that'll take a few years to spin up. Uh, they don't expect that until 2030, but it's a big chunk. And uh, it's good news. Uh, of course, it's still got to go through the Ninth Circus, but uh, we'll see what we'll see what happens from there. It's it, it is it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, <clears throat> we uh, we had a pretty good uh, pretty good result from the Matsu uh, general election, the municipal and general elections in the Matsu borough. Pretty good turnout. Pretty I mean, not turnout. I, I, let me let me let me rephrase that. The turnout was horrific. Nine point five three percent turnout. The results were good, though. The results were pretty phenomenal overall, with the exception of losing Moki two in the uh, in my district. Um, but now uh, only uh, <clears throat> only a day before the November seventh elections. School board member Jacob Butcher vacated his seat after a move out of state. He was elected to the board last year, and his term is not set to expire until 2025. Announcement of the vacancy came on the same day the borough residents voted to reelect two conservative board members, Ole Larson and Kathy McCollum. Butcher is part of the school board's conservative majority. His vacant seat will need to be filled by a legally qualified Matsu voter, who resides in District 5, which is this district, uh, and encompasses Big Lake to Point McKenzie, the deadline to apply for the seat is Wednesday the 22nd, the day before Thanksgiving. So if any of you listeners are listening right now, looking at you, Melody, 
Looking at you, Terry. Any of you guys are living out in this neck of the woods in District 5 and you're looking to make a make a move and become part of that school board solution instead of school board problem, you have until Wednesday the 26th, uh, 22nd at noon to go out there and do it. Candidates will be interviewed by the school board during a public meeting on December the 6th. And then following the interviews, the sitting school board members will select the new member who will immediately be sworn in and expected to attend the December 6th regular meeting. School board member duties include preparing for and attending twice monthly meetings and occasional special meetings, studying all material presented with the agenda prior to attending the meetings, participating in the discussion of any items that come before the board, voting on motions and resolutions, and being prepared and willing to devote a sufficient amount of time to the issues. There is an application online at Matsu uh, K12.us is the school district's website, um, or you can uh, give them a call at uh, 746-9272, 746-9272. If you live in District 5, which is, you know, Big Lake, Point McKenzie, like six-mile KGB and further out, um, you guys can all, um, you guys can all, anybody can go ahead and uh, – do it. Do it, do it, do it. And no, I am not signing up for it. Sorry. I am not signing up for it. I, 55 hours a week is enough for me, okay? I'm just saying, that's, that's 55, 60. That's about my limit right there. I am not doing it, especially now that, you know, all my kids are out of school. And no, not going to do it. Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> but somebody out there, would love, would be a big, you guys would be a big help. So if you live out here in this neck of the woods, go, go, go off with you. Be free. Be part of the solution. And uh, let's see what uh, what happens from there. Um, What else did I uh, want to talk? It's been kind of a slow news week. I'll be honest with you. Um, uh, this one final story I want to talk about, but I'm not going to get to it here until the next segment. Let me tell you what's coming up uh, this week. This week, we're going to be working um, with uh, tomorrow, obviously, is Brad Keithley. Um, and Chris Story, Brad Keithley's coming in for the weekly top three. I'm sure we're going to talk about the uh, Willow decision uh, because he's he's highlighted that several times as an important component of Alaska and, you know, Alaska's uh, uh, resource development moving forward. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, we're also going to talk to Chris Story, who <laughs> who sent me a text message. What is, this is the he sent me a text message on Saturday that says next week's topic backyard booty. I don't know exactly what that means, but this next week's top tomorrow's topic is going to be backyard booty. I'm 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 hoping he's I'm hoping he's talking about pirate treasure. That's all I'm. That's all I can say. I hope that he's talking about pirate treasure uh, for uh, for this week. On Wednesday, we should be joined. Uh, well, no, because uh, uh, it's going to be Thursday for Mike Shower. He normally comes in on Wednesday, but it's going to be Thursday instead. 
On Wednesday, we're hoping to hear from Ben Carpenter. He's going to talk with us. He's got the Janus. He's got a new article coming out about the Janus decision and what that means. And we'll talk with him about that as well. Uh, we might actually have um, Calvin Schreggy on. He's got a new, he's got something new he wants to talk about. I know you're like, but Calvin is the enemy. I know. We might have Elise Galvin on. We might bring on some of these. I've had some, I've had some of their people reach out to me, actually. It's been very interesting to see that maybe, just maybe, we might, uh, we might, you know, and you got to respect him. If they're going to reach out to an outlet that is mm, less than, I mean, we won't be mean, but we're not, we're definitely not on the same sheet of paper. This might make for some very, very interesting radio. So I'm hoping that this week we're going to get a start on some of that stuff. And we'll be talking about that as uh, well. And again, hoping to have Dr. John Lott on this weekend since we couldn't get him on last Friday. I mean, sorry, not weekend, Friday. Since we didn't get him on this Friday. Um, and, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll be stuck at the house all week. Maybe it will just not stop snow. I'll be asking, I'll be wishing Amazon could airlift me some food with their drone system here. That's, that's what will be going on. All right. We are coming up here on the break. So we're going to do that. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the problem with education in Anchorage. Mo, and there's a doozy. The school district there facing some problems we're going to continue the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio david boyle is our guest in hour two to talk about homeschooling that's directly ahead Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Well, let me go back over here to the comment section. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I knew somebody was going to say it. That's why I headed it. That's why I headed off that kind of discussion. Um, he, uh, Bill won't share the recipe. Bill, that's just, that's just not nice. It's just not nice, Bill. Um, In many countries, the U.N. calls these low voter turnout elections invalid elections. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just reading through some of these. Uh, um, I'm reading through some of the comments. Terry said she doesn't live in five, but would happily apply if she did. 
Melody says she's in Ole's district. Sorry. Um, then somebody suggested my wife should sign up uh, and that I should sign up. It's not going to happen. That's just not going to that's not going to happen. Uh, the slope is developed in the largest economy north of the 60th parallel. It's too late, says Jeannie. Too late for that to go on. Yeah, I agree. Um, Barbara's responding to something, and I don't know what, but it's. she says maybe to set up OnlyFans pages. I'm... Is this in response to that news story that came out last week about the teacher who made a million dollars on OnlyFans? It's, she's, I mean, oh God, oh God, it's just one of those things. Um, oh, you were talking about Chris's comment about backyard booty. Oh my God, that is so funny. Um, Maybe he meant to say backyard bounty, said McCall. No, Melody, I think he truly meant to say backyard booty. That's what they that's what they're doing. Um get Libby Bacalar on oh one hot mess Alaska. She's interesting. Uh she's interesting for sure. Uh problems. They should just build a big pile of money on the Delaney Strip and set it on fire. That will solve the school's problems, says uh backyard booty and the teacher um there are two recipes i will not share my homemade baked beans and the berman caramel corn my kids don't even have the caramel corn recipe and here i shared my grandmother's secret pumpkin pie recipe with you bill you won't even you won't oh that that hurts man that hurts you know how much love i poured into I never did understand why people wouldn't share those kind of recipes either. I'm just like, what? You want to take it to your grave? Nobody else can enjoy it but you? That just seems a little, you know. I mean, who cares if somebody else has a recipe that you have? I've, I mean, I've got no problem sharing my grandmother's. Oh, it's just so pumpkin pie. I'm ready for some. I'm ready for some delicious grandma phase pumpkin pie. It is absolutely delicious. But that's the last time I share it with you, Bill. Because, man, I would like some of that caramel, bourbon caramel corn. Oh, man, that sounds delicious. I don't even drink bourbon, you know. Oh, he says recipe contest and it comes out. Oh, see, now you're making me work for it. Now I've got to go put a recipe contest together, which I said I was going to do, didn't I? I did say I was going to do it. Luckily, I came across the graphics and stuff that I used before here recently. I was digging through some files and I found it. So we will put a recipe contest together. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. It'll be fantastic. Don't you worry about it. We'll get it all. We'll get it all ready. But Bill has just made, here it is, just so that you can see it. No, not that one. On the screen. Oh, stop moving. Uh. I'm going to have to refresh at the top of the hour. This thing is taking forever. Guilt me already. Okay, okay. Recipe contest. It comes out. So there it is, folks. Black and white. Clear as crystal. He stole fizzy lifting drinks. He bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sterilized so he gets nothing. I saw Willy Wonka too many times. But there it is. Black and white. Clear as crystal. He's going to do it if I do the contest. So now it's on me. Donna says she wants a recipe contest with a recipe book for the Chatsters. Oh, 
My. You guys just keep adding to my workload. Like I need to go do. If you guys want to take all this, all the recipes and pull them all together and make your own book, you are welcome to do so. Welcome to do so. Um, I will keep all the copyright though. So you guys will proceed to. <laughs> got to, I got to put shoes on my kids' feet, man. Those kids are big. They got big feet. Need big shoes. All right. <clears throat> So here we go. We're going to jump back into this. Uh, we got uh, more coming up. David Boyle in our uh, two, the Michael Duke show. And uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, man. We guilted Bill into releasing and revealing his secret recipe for the bourbon caramel corn, which uh, he's going to do with our recipe contest, which I'm going to, I guess I'm going to have to crack out this week. So we'll be having a holiday recipe contest. Uh, we're going to have to run it through Christmas. We're not going to do it because we're we're 10 days away. Oh, my God. We're 10 days away from Thanksgiving. You realize that right now, right? How does this happen? As I get older, the stuff just goes faster and faster. Thanksgiving is next week. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay, that just struck me. Thanksgiving's next week, which means, by the way, that I won't be here on Thursday and Friday, and I might take the following Monday off, too, because, hey, I mean, everybody needs a little bit of a, wow, I, wow. Okay, so anyway... I, that just struck me. So yeah, so this recipe contest is going to run through Christmas. We're gonna we'll run it to we'll run it to Christmas. We'll do it the same way that we've always done it, uh, which is um, we will put up a bunch of recipes. You you post your favorite recipes for the holidays, your family recipes, your grandmother's secret recipes, your secret nobody knows, not even your kids caramel bourbon corn recipe, whatever it is. And then the listeners will vote on it on Facebook and we'll um, and then whoever, you know, whoever gets the most votes is going to win. And we'll give them some beard curler coffee and a coffee mug and and uh, it'll be fun stuff. Last time, Representative Sarah Vance actually won with her Kentucky Blue Ribbon Kentucky Bourbon Pie which I didn't make. I was going to make, and then I, I don't know, I got waylaid on something. I'm going to have to go back and, and pull it out. Anyway, whoever wins the most votes, this is this is a democracy. So whoever gets the most votes on their thing is going gonna, is gonna to win. So I'll have to, I guess I'm going to have to break that out this week. Next week is Thanksgiving. How did that happen? 
I got distracted by all the snow. I got distracted by all the snow. I wasn't even paying attention. Okay, uh, latest story. Here we go. Um, before we got David Boyle's going to be joining us in in hour two this morning, and we're going to talk with him uh, about uh, uh, homeschooling and COVID and and everything else, which we touched on briefly last week. Uh, but now we're going to get a chance to talk to David about it. So this latest story. Uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to give credit where credit was due. That story on the North Slope Borough, uh, excuse me, on the North Slope on the Willow Project was from James Brooks over at the Alaska Beacon. Sorry, James. I almost I try to always give credit where credit's due, and I just realized that I didn't say your name, which you might want to reciprocate one day. Just throwing that out there. Um, anyway, Annie Berman over at the ADN has got an article that was uh, published yesterday talking about the Anchorage School District. It's not a, this is what the headline reads, not a painless path ahead. Facing $95 million shortfall, Anchorage School District again warns of cuts. Oh, of course they do. How many How many days until the session starts? Oh, yeah, it's just around the corner. Yeah, that's, you know. The Anchorage School District is again facing a major budget shortfall that, of course, all the school officials could say could mean significant cuts. To, to This is where they go to the state. Mommy, mommy, give me another cookie. I already ate the other one. Where the cuts might be um, are unknown. In February, of course in February, right after the session starts, the district will propose a budget that the Anchorage School Board and the Anchorage Assembly will need to approve but they uh, are already estimating an approximate $95 million deficit for fiscal year 25. Possible school programs on the chopping block include the Ignite program for gifted students because, of course, use of the Dome Sports Complex, language immersion programs, fine art, and summer schools. Those are just a few of the things that could be listed on the night. Not the fact that their their enrollment is declining. Not the fact that they've got way too many buildings and they could consolidate. None of that. I mean, none of those. There's just, you know. Now, Jarrett Bryant said there's just not a painless path ahead. However, partially as a result of the growing number of teachers and other staff vacancies, the district says it does have a sizable fund balance. From this year's budget, about $59 million, which officials said could be used to help offset the debt. If you've got $59 million left over from this year, then how is it a... <laughs> I'm just trying to figure this out. I'm just trying to figure this out. It, you were crying poor, poor, pitiful me. You were crying poor, poor mouth about this year. Remember, Remember that? Remember the whole discussion about all the schools that they had to close and how things were just going to be bad? And remember all that? Now they have a $59 million fund balance from this year's budget? So which is it? Which is it? I mean, do you have a do you have a problem or do you not have a problem? I mean, you were crying the same thing about. This year's budget. And all of a sudden you got almost a $60 million surplus. How does that, how does that work? Remember, this is the same school board and school uh, superintendent. And, you know, this is the same group of folks 
that took the one-time funding from the federal government over COVID funds and decided to spend it on reoccurring costs like teacher salaries. This is the same group of people that were that short-sighted. So now all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, we're $95 million in the hole. I mean, I know we've got $60 million over here in the couch cushions, but you know, $95 million in the hole. Yeah, I can just see how this is going to play out, folks. I can guarantee you there's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I mean, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> look at that opinion piece that was in the uh, that was in the uh, the ADN here just the other day, with uh, you know the Brad Keithley and I talked about, um, you know, talking about how education was just going to crash and burn and it would be unsustainable and there's just no way anyone neglecting the education it's failing Alaska's children and ooh. <clears throat> remember that was Elise Galvin last week and you could just you can just see that this is this is where things are 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 going forward now, they're saying that their current number of staff vacancies in the district also factors into the lack of competitive benefits and pay, said Corey Haste, who is the uh, head of the Anchorage Education Association, which, again, is another push for defined benefits. There, there it is. There are currently more than 300 open positions in the school district, a number that reflects stagnant employee benefits compared to other districts. We... Yeah. The school board had to prioritize our educators in the budget so we can be more competitive. We're having a hard time hiring educators. We're having a hard time retaining them. Well, maybe if you actually saw that the dollars got into the classroom, it wouldn't be so frustrating for the teachers who are trying to teach the children. If you made sure that the actual dollars for education actually got into the classroom instead of being consumed by all of your administrators and the overhead and the schools and the, and the physical assets and everything else. Even with the fund balance due to vacancies, board members say they anticipate that this year's budget will be particularly difficult to balance given years of flat state funding that haven't kept pace with. They've got their talking points down, don't they? Don't, I mean, don't they just this is even with the fund balance due to vacancies, board members say they anticipate this year's budget will particularly be difficult to balance given years of flat funding that hasn't kept pace with inflation and a drying up of pandemic relief funds and one-time funding from the Alaska legislature that in recent years acted as a stopgap for increasing financial woes. I agree with Brian. Brian said earlier, you know what we should do is just put a big pile of money together on the Delaney Park Strip in downtown and we should just set it on fire. That would do just as much to keep them warm in the short term as anything else. The estimated $95 million was a high, quote-unquote, high-level preliminary number, unquote, that could increase over the next few months based on a number of factors, including whether or not they feel like they need to put more pressure on the public during the legislative session. This is all key—this is the thing. This is all theater. They've, they've aligned all the cycles to always occur when the legislature's arguing this stuff, to pink slip the, the, uh, the, the teachers right at the very end, right when they're trying to ratify, uh, you know, the school budgets and everything. This is all just theater. It's just school board member Kelly Lesson says an increase in the district's people-teacher ratio was likely given the scale of the deficit. A higher ratio means larger class sizes and fewer educators. 
okay. Well, that, I mean, did, okay. That's at least one way to fix it. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about how the federal funds uh, are going to be done and there's no more COVID money. Um, without those federal relief funds, we're going to confront the reality of our fish financial situation. People have been telling you to face the reality of your financial situation for the last two years, right? I mean, you knew this was coming. This wasn't a big surprise that the money was all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, there's a crisis. Well, we've been, these are supposed to be educated people. They knew it was coming. Let's spend it on one-time expenditures. No, let's spend it on reoccurring expenditures instead. Out of time, The Michael Duke Show. Some of the stupidest stuff. Stupidest stuff. I'll go ahead and drop you guys a link to this in the chat room. This is... Stupid stuff. All right. Sorry. Just got a little. Robert just said, what? Robert, I don't know. There must be something wrong with you. That's like drinking Folgers. Why would you do that? I will take a Costco chicken and pumpkin pie. Who has time to cook? I mean, I'd rather eat a bar of soap, right? Then, you know. Yes, Sarah's was like a Kentucky ribbon, bourbon, pecan. I, I think it may have had chocolate, you know. Uh, Donna Ardwin, yeah, Donna almost won last year with her. Donna said, I almost won with my tried and true. Oh, I'm going to have to refresh this because. I've clicked the comment twice and it's not popping up on the screen. Guys are killing me. It's killing me. Come on. One more time. There we go. Sadly, I almost won last year with my tried and true find a friend who cooks well and show up with a nice bottle of wine. Almost did. Almost won. Um, is it freezing rain outside right now? Oh, God. It says it's 26 degrees here at the house. I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, both say 26, so it's got to be pretty close. So at least it's probably not raining here, but yeah. Yeah, everybody's trying to describe to me the whole El Nino, La Nina cycle out there. Um, I don't know. Okay. Uh, what about the COVID money? Oh yeah, that, that, they, they spent it. Um, Jamie Allard would vote with the Democrats to increase school funding too. You think? It'd be interesting to see what they said. I've spoken with teachers who feel that without defined benefits, you can't attract teachers from outside, uh, from district, from other districts outside the state. Uh, and then Nicole says, oh, it's so slow. You can see it fading in. It's trying to get there. It's trying to, oh, there it is. Then Nicole says, uh, half the elementary schools in Anchorage don't, are not even at 
half capacity. Come on, catch up with me. I'm refreshing here. As soon as we're done with this, I'm refreshing. This is nuts. There we, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. I can see it coming. It's about to jump over there. Half the elementary schools in Anchorage aren't even at half capacity. At Tudor Elementary, half the classrooms are being used for storage. <laughs> All right, I see David is in the green room. I am going to refresh the page right now uh, because I can't take this anymore. Uh, so you're going to look at that. 20 seconds, and here we are. We're ready to go. All right. I see David uh, is in the green room. It's not the blue screen of death. When you still see the wavy lines, that means that I'm still there. I just had to refresh the page because, you know, look, I click it, it pops right up. That's what's supposed to happen. That's what's supposed to happen. Let's uh, check in with David real quick. We'll see how the audio is before we go any further. Good morning, David. How are you doing this morning? Uh, I can't hear you, David. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Check your audio. Check your audio settings. The little three dots there. Check your audio to make sure your microphone is being used. There should be three little dots next to your name there, or next to your, on your picture there, should be three little dots up in the corner. You could try and reconnect as well. Sometimes that helps. If you want to reconnect, I'll uh, remove you and kick you from the room, and you or you can close it and try and reconnect. I'll go ahead and put him back in the green room. I won't kick you yet. Uh, edit, edit. There we go. He's going to reconnect. He hears me. I just don't hear him. Well, he's not muted on my end. If he's muted, he's muted on his end. So we'll see what gap is. There we go. I see he just popped back in. Oh, can there you we hear go. me now? I can hear you now. See? Have you tried start have you tried turning it off and turning it back on? Yes, we have. And it works good. Yes, I did. <laughs> it works good. <laughs> uh all right, David, you all ready to go? You betcha, Michael. Sure am. All right, good. David Boyle is going to be our guest. David, I'll put you back in the green room. Don't eat all the donuts while you're there, okay? Those are expensive. I paid a lot of money for those. Uh, we're going to be back here. We're one minute out. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based of breathing and radio. Um, we're about to uh, jump into it. When I looked at the skies off in this past season, it looked just like that. Uh, oh, what? the blue The blue stuff? rotating around. Yeah, that's my background. That's my background. All right, my friends. Well, here we go. We're going to jump into it and get it all done. Uh, hour two is uh, dead ahead. David Boyle is our guest, the Michael Duke show. Let's, uh, let's enjoy it. I'm ready. Bill already ate all the donuts. Of course he did. Back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. 
Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Duke Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find links to the audio-only live stream, the podcast, and uh, so much more. And also, of course, uh, live around the world uh, on, uh, or live around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. That's where we're at right now. Plus, you can get it on the podcast. Plus, you can find it on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch and everywhere else. That I can plug into. I'm, it's it's amazing. Um, welcome back to the program. Are you ready to go? Hour two is right now, and we're joined today uh, by uh, education advocate uh, David Boyle, who uh, we touched last week briefly on his uh, latest article, which is in Must Read Alaska, which talks about the um, uh, one of the silver linings of COVID and the pandemic, and that was, of course. The uh, increase in homeschooling and uh, and the interest in alternative forms of schooling, whether it's uh, homeschooling or teacher shares or all different kinds of stuff. He's got a piece out in Must Read, which I'm going to go ahead and link in the chat room right now. You can go uh, read it right now if you want to go to Facebook or YouTube or wherever, and I've got a link there. Or you can just go search it up on Must Read. Uh, the article is entitled, Since covid Revealed much to Alaska parents, families flock to homeschooling and correspondence. Uh, David Boyle joins us this morning uh, from an undisclosed remote location somewhere in Colorado, I think, is where he's at today. Good morning, David. How are you doing? Hey, good morning, Michael. I'm at 10,200 feet altitude in beautiful Leadville, Colorado. Well, appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come out and join us. I know you're traveling. Congratulations on your granddaughter, I guess. You had a beautiful bouncing babe. I mean, you didn't do anything, but you had a your 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 you have had a granddaughter now. Yes, we had a wonderful beautiful um, uh, little baby, a granddaughter and uh, 6 pounds, 9 ounces and uh, she has 10 fingers and 10 toes and just gorgeous little girl. And we're really glad to welcome into our family well i i'm glad and and congratulations to you and your family and your and your kids and everybody else so uh it's always good i remember the first birth of my first grandchild was well, my only grandchild at this point but the birth of my grandchild was an amazing time i'm glad it was which was also in colorado so i think that was i was there for that and that was uh that was exciting and it's an amazing thing so um david let's um uh, Let's get started and talk about this. I have often said that one of the what you know, there was a, to me there's really been two major silver linings from the pandemic. One was the embracing of remote work uh, because I've been teleworking for ten years now, uh, and really it really became an embraceable thing. And I I think it's amazing, and I'm I'm glad that people have come to understand the amount of freedom 
and uh, personal responsibility that comes from that and how, I mean, it really has transformed our workforce. I think that's important. Uh, but also, uh, the second thing is the discovery of, uh, you know, kind of the whole attitude around schools. Parents were all of a sudden exposed to the idea that, um, well, a couple things. First of all, they discovered that schooling uh, on their own was not as hard as they were told. They were told that homeschooling just too rough. You're not smart enough to homeschool. You just don't have the education. You don't have the, you know, you don't have the knowledge. You're not a teacher. You just can't do it. The second thing they discovered is that although many of the organizations, and I'm not talking about individual teachers, but I'm talking more about the education industry, uh, the the education industrial complex, although they keep saying that it's all about the children, it turned out instead it really wasn't all about the children. It was all about social justice. It was about, you know, pay wage. It was about, you know, them holding the citizenry over a barrel to get what they want before they went back to school in many locations around the country. Alaska was, you know, no different in some areas. And they have really discovered this. So let's walk through uh, what your article uh, talks about, which I guess is, again, the beginning of that silver lining. Well, as you said, Michael, the silver lining of the COVID pandemic uh, is the fact that parents actually found out looking over their kids' shoulders when they were doing virtual uh, schooling uh, from the local school districts online, they actually found out what their children were being taught and they were astounded and, and actually very disappointed. They also found out what their children were not being taught. And, you know, this, this the distance learning uh, from, for example, the Anchorage School District, they weren't prepared to do it. They hadn't done it before. And it actually, it was a pretty significant failure on their part, it, not just the Anchorage School District, but many other school districts. And as a result of that, parents decided, you know, I think let's try the, to homeschool our kids. It can't be that hard. And come to find out, actually in the elementary grades, it isn't, it's not very difficult to homeschool your child. You could teach your child how to read. And there are a lot of online programs the the number of online homeschooling programs has just just multiplied unbelievably in the last five to ten years. I remember uh, ten years ago there were very few programs online to help parents teach their students. One of those was the Khan Academy, K H A N Khan Academy, which was started by uh, uh, just a software developer to teach his nephews and nieces because they weren't learning in school as well. But anyway, if you want some help, go to ConAcademy.org, and it's an amazing website to help you uh, teach your children. And your children can actually probably just use that uh, page act and be supplemented by the parental guidance. So anyway, um, it's a, we've gained uh, from 12,500 pre-pandemic to almost 19,000 homeschool students. In now, that's only the 12 largest homeschool programs in the state of Alaska. There are, there are 34 programs. Some of them have like five students, 15 students. So in my article, I didn't really count them as, as such because the big, the big number is 19,000 in the 12 largest homeschool programs. And that's a 52% increase from the pre-pandemic school year. Right. And by the way, Alaska has the best homeschool program in the entire nation. And that's probably due uh, to uh, you know the geography of Alaska and the uniqueness of Alaska and the remoteness of a lot of students in Alaska. 
Well, yeah, exactly. And uh, again, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, right? I mean, that's what we faced here. I mean, one of the one of the pilot homeschool programs in this state was started by the Galena City School District. I mean, Galena, all the way out of Galena. And they created the IDEA program, which started, you know, in Fairbanks and and spread out from there. Uh, we were, my oldest daughter, who's now 30 years old, that's hard to believe that I'm that old, um, but she she was uh, kindergarten. She started out in the first year of IDEA. We were one of the first 25 families or something that started with that thing. And IDEA has grown. They are, in fact, the largest homeschooling, uh, independent homeschooling uh, program in the state with like 7,400 students or something like that. Um, and I mean, I remember when they crossed the 3000 threshold, they were ecstatic. Now they're at over double that. And it just keeps going on over and over and over again. People were people were coming into the chat room. This is in probably late 2020, early 2021 and saying, well, we didn't we never tried homeschooling. Now we're homeschooling. Now our students are, you know, at one point the guy said, my daughter's already done with the school year. She did all of the school year in like four months. She loved it. She loved doing it. And now we're working on other stuff and ancillary stuff and and extracurricular things and things like that. Parents were shocked to discover it wasn't as hard as they keep being told. They keep being told you couldn't possibly do it. Well, that's the education industry speaking, as you well know. And by the way, you don't have to be a certificated teacher and know the fundamentals of teaching in order to educate your own child. I, for one, would have had a really difficult time because, you know, with my children, I think familiarity kind of breeds contempt in some regards. Yeah. Uh, But but I would have put my children if I had known that much about it back when my children were in K-12 schools. I would have put them maybe in in a correspondence program or a learning pod with some other students and and parents. But, you know, the other thing about a a correspondence student, the state doesn't really fund a correspondence student like they do a traditional neighborhood school student. In other words, the state says the correspondence student is only worth 90 percent of the usual student allotment. Now, that should be raised to 100 percent because, as you well know, these correspondence students, they're saving the state loads and loads of money. And I think the program ought to be increased. Uh, and we could you know, actually save the Anchorage School District a lot of money because they only fund so much for a correspondence student. For example, let's say the uh, Frontier School, Charter School, or the Family Partnership School in the Anchorage School District. Those, those students get about half of what a regular student gets. Uh, and the cost in the Anchorage School District, by the way, um, is about, just about $20,000 per student today. Right. And in the fam- family partnership, that per student cost is only half. Right. So if, if I were in the Anchorage School District and I were, you know, the edu- you know the administrator there and the finance people and, and the superintendent, I would want to dramatically increase the number of correspondent students in my school. Well, I, so I would, I would be, take that extra money. 
Yeah, I would be fun. duplicating. I would be duplicating what Family Partnership is doing. If you could do it for half, why wouldn't you be duplicating that in many schools? You've got schools. Somebody just said, like, for example, Tudor Elementary is only half full. They're using half the classrooms for storage. Why wouldn't you create another charter school like Family Partnership, you know, if it's only half? And again, places like Idea, they're doing it for a quarter of what they're doing it for in these other schools. I mean, why wouldn't you why wouldn't you emulate that? Well, the problem is, I think this is me. Uh, I think the problem is is that it means that they would receive less money for administration and overhead and and school and all this other kind of stuff. It's the education industry that's against the efficiencies that we're talking about. Well, let's let's say Michael, let's say the family partnership uh, per student cost, which is by the way, it's a correspondence school now in the in the Anchorage School District. It's it's just a little over ten thousand dollars, and the Anchorage School District per student cost is twenty thousand dollars. So if 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 I'm the the superintendent and the school board in the Anchorage School District, I want to increase the number of students in the family partnership program and the other like Frontier Charter School, which is a correspondence school, because I can take that surplus money that I have for them let's say 10,000 to 20,000 and use it to grow my bureaucracy. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a growth of the system rather than it really being about the children, which is what we keep hearing all the time. Oh, it's about the children, which is why they always want the money. Hold the line, David. I know you want to say something, but we're going to hold that thought for just a second. We're going to be back in just a moment. David Boyle is our guest, senior contributor for Must Read Alaska, education advocate, we're going to continue to talk about some of the things that are going on in the school district with alternative education. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Our light, our guide... And our trusted friend. In the break right now, um, David Boyle is our guest. Uh, Harold says we're 100 percent public school advocates. Socialization is incredibly important for young people. And this is part of the misconception that somehow homeschooling kids don't get socialized, which is completely false. Uh, my kids were socialized all the time. Many people are interacting, uh, are, are, you know, taking their homeschooling kids to a variety of outside classes, courses, events, competitions for school, for music and everything else. Um, it's, uh, you know, they, that is a, I think that's one of the that's one of the largest misnomers or misconceptions about homeschooling is that somehow your kids aren't socialized in that regard, David. Uh, you're correct. And um, by the way, Michael, I'm not so sure I'd want my kid to be socialized in the current public school system. We're, you know, I've said for years uh, we're going to start reaping the benefits of of the public school system and the university system. And you look at it right now. Um, you know, just like the COVID pandemic did for um, homeschooling in Alaska, uh, these pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian demonstrators, not just in the university systems, but in the K-12 systems in America, were reaping the benefits now of what they have been indoctrinated into. And 
boy, it, Marxism, socialism, communism, whatever you want to call it, the university systems um, are, are, are showing their true colors and what they what the um, college professors have indoctrinated them into. And by the way, that's happening also, maybe not as visible or transparent, but it's also happening in the K-12 systems throughout the nation. I mean, that kind of stuff is frustrating, I mean, I, and we're going to get into uh, – we're going to get into that here in the next segment. I want to talk a little bit about what you mentioned earlier on, where parents all of a sudden started realizing what their kids were being taught. But, um, you know, it's a shocking goal. Uh, and it really, what was shocking, I think, the, the the most brazen example of this, of course, happened in West Virginia during the race there when um, – uh, when uh, when Terry McAuliffe got up in front of the the people, the the constituency, and brazenly told them that you are just you're not qualified to figure out what your kids need to be taught. We're qualified. We're the again showing the whole. We're the only ones who are smart. We're smarter than you, and we know how to raise your kids, and we know how to teach your kids, and that kind of stuff. And that of course lost him the election. Uh, to Yunkin, to Glenn Yunkin. And uh, that was a huge component of it. But that was just, he said the quiet part out loud, the part that many people, not all, but many people in the education establishment feel. Uh, and it's especially what, um, it's especially what the education industry believes. Right. And that, and that was in, uh, yeah, that was uh, Yunkin, his big win in uh, in Virginia. And he wasn't up this last election, but I believe he comes up again next year. Um, and the Democrats or the liberals, let's say, have been applauding the fact that uh, they, uh, well, let's see, they retain the Senate and they took over the House in Virginia. But I don't think the results are that clear yet. And, you know, um, the problem with Virginia, as you're probably well aware, Northern Virginia controls the results in the elections and um, statewide right. elections. Right. And and that's just made of government, federal government bureaucrats and contractors. And, uh, you know, they know where their bread is buttered. <laughs> right. Right. But, um, <laughs> well, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Youngkin cannot run again, says Donna. Virginia's governor has a one term limit, well, which is great. Um, but, but hopefully, hopefully uh, somebody else continues to step up. But I think that was the best thing that happened there was, a, again, a cracking of the lid, you know, peeling back the curtain a little bit to show you how many of these people felt. And and that was the reaction, of course, across the country. We had all these school board meetings across the country where parents were outraged and then they were called domestic terrorists and everything else, all this other kind of stuff, simply for caring about what their children were going to learn. And I think that was the beginning of the end for many of these um, uh, for many of these uh, uh, situations that we're seeing across the country. OK, we're about to rejoin. We're going to continue talking with David Boyle here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio, like, share, follow, do all that kind of stuff. Let's get to it. Here we go. David Boyle continues with us right now. Let's do it. All right, welcome back to the program. We're continuing now with David Boyle, senior contributor from Must Read Alaska. 
an education advocate. Uh, we're talking about his latest piece in Must Read, talking about discoveries since COVID, how it revealed a lot to Alaska parents. And since then, families have flocked to homeschooling, correspondence, and to other forms. This is really more about alternative forms, right, uh, David? I mean, it's, you know, we talk about homeschooling systems like Raven and Idea and Cyberlinks and things like that. But it's also about charter schools, Montessori schools, learning pods, teacher shares. I mean, all these different things. The numbers, when you said 53% increase in the state of Alaska, that was simply to the homes. That was simply to students who went into a system. If the parents decided to build their own curriculum and do their own thing and use Khan Academy and the Danica Keller Math Doesn't Suck program or all these other challenges, if they wanted to build their own thing out there, they could do it. They're not even counted in these numbers, right? No, that's that's correct. You're correct, Michael. Um, th- there's a large uh, group of parents in the state of Alaska called independent homeschoolers. And and um, they don't want to be connected to the government uh, for any funding or any any control because they believe once the government uh, funds you, then they have strings uh, to be able to come back and control you through regulations, et cetera. And um, I don't. <clears throat> it's 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 not an underground group, but uh, it's very hard to find their numbers of independent homeschoolers in Alaska. Maybe one of your listeners knows, and they could put it on the Facebook chat room. But um, I'm unaware of it. I don't know how to find it. It's actually even even difficult on the state's uh, website, the Department of Education Early Developments page, to find out anything about homeschooling. Excuse me, <clears throat> correspondent schools they call them, but uh, they have a they they have a list of them. But you can't find much data. You have to know which homeschool is associated. Correspondent school is associated with which uh, particular school district. Then you have to go to that school district, and then you can find out um, if you know the name of the homeschool. You go go into the school district on the page, uh, find that the homeschool correspondent school. Then you can find out the funding. <clears throat> excuse me again for that homeschool per student funding, and that's where I got my figures. It's very difficult to find. You have to know where to go. Um, and oh, by the way, <clears throat> you know the Alaska Star Test, the summative test that the right. students in in Alaska took. In, in the first week of so of April, yes, the results are still not out, and they will not be out until next month sometime, probably maybe almost. Uh, but what what good is is a is a test like that if the parents don't know within a couple three weeks how their student performed on the test compared to other students in the state? Um, I mean, some <laughs> I don't I don't know what the problem is. I have not talked to the department about that. Um, uh, I'm just going to sit and wait for the results like all the parents have to do to find out how well their student has done on the state uh, standardized test. Well, and again, without those metrics, it's hard to uh, it's hard to judge how things are going and what's uh, what's happening with that and what's going on. The good news is in the last segment, you were talking about how the homeschooling students are only worth 90 percent of what the uh, regular students are. Uh, Donna Ardwin in the chat room says HB 165, which is coming up in this next session, is going to raise the amount for correspondence students to 1.215 times the BSA to account for that automatic weighing that all the other students get. So hopefully we'll start seeing, you know, 100 percent of that money coming in there, which will be good, uh, again, for parents to be able to make those choices. But again, you're not 
you're not required to do any of that stuff in the state of Alaska. As you said, um, Alaska has one of the freest uh, systems in the uh, in the country. And I think that's a good thing. If people want to create their own, um, I remember back when Terry and I were first considering homeschooling. This is when our daughter was not even, our first daughter was not even of, of kindergarten age yet. We had talked with several people who were independents, essentially, and they'd done things like um, unit learning, which is where the 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 student you know discovers one things they they like I mean I don't know octopuses or space you know space travel and they basically built an entire curriculum uh, of language English math science everything around that one thing that the kid really liked you know so that they talked about the science of octopus and then and they you know they talked about the you know in the language they talked about writing stories about octopus and and the and the verbiage and where the word came from and the name and 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 they wrapped it all up and that was a great there's so many different options out there and people just you know i guess i don't care if you send your kids to public schools if you want to send your kids to public schools but there should be enough choice out there for parents to be able to make that decision. Right. And Alaska has quite a few choices. They, they should have more choices. You know, uh, for example, education savings accounts would be a great idea where the state keeps your money in an account there and you pick, pick a vendor to educate your child or several vendors or whatever activities that are approved by the state. And then the state reimburses you for that uh, uh, particular uh, vendor. Um, that would be wonderful. But the correspondence program is very similar to that. By the way, we talked about funding for correspondence students, only 90% today of a regular neighborhood school student, but they're only entitled to the state funding. You know, this Anchorage School District doesn't have to provide any local funding to that student and, and or federal funding for that matter. Some state districts do provide local funding to correspondence school students. But um, they're not required to. And I think the state should make that a requirement. If a student is a correspondence student in a local school district, they should get an appropriate amount of state funding and maybe some federal funding if, there's, if their student, let's say, uh, falls under a certain federal law for that, like for uh, uh, Title IX and special education. Um, McKinney-Vento, which is homeschool, the, the um, home money that the uh, school districts get for home uh, homeless students so you know there are other there are other things um it it's kind of like you can't eat the whole apple at once you have to take keep a couple of bites and keep going but uh we're falling behind the rest of the nation as far as uh let's say school choice go school choice programs go um iowa for example has a wonderful uh, program now in education savings accounts kid can go to any school they want and get reimbursed, be a private private or parochial school, get reimbursed for the cost of that uh, through the state funding. Florida has had a uh, education savings accounts. The leading state was the Arizona led the nation several years ago by first proposing the education savings accounts. And I believe still in Arizona, though it's limited to like low minority children, uh, military dependent uh, uh, children, but in Iowa, it's a universal education savings account. Right, right. And uh, that would that would be now. By the way, you're probably aware there is a um, <clears throat> a lawsuit in the state of Alaska challenging the correspondence program. Um, interestingly enough, I read the entire <laughs> the entire document, which is about 22 pages. Uh, the plaintiffs. This is very interesting. The plaintiffs. Guess what? 
are teachers. There are no students in there that are plaintiffs. There are no parents as that are non-teachers that are plaintiffs. And reading the entire uh, uh, document, uh, the suit lawsuit, uh, nothing in there. They'd never address student success or achievement. It's all about taking money away from the public school uh, industry. And I, th I th it was rather amusing to read. However, we know how the Alaska court system goes. Um, it'll go to the oh the first court. Can't even remember what it's called now. But um, and then it'll probably court, be yeah. appealed by either party to the Supremes. Yeah, to the Superior Court and then on to the Supreme Court. Um, you made an interesting comment early on, um, which I think, again, was not just an Alaskan issue, but was a national issue as well, is that as the COVID pandemic broke out and all these kids transitioned to remote learning, which was a disaster in many districts because they just weren't prepared for that kind of stuff. Which, I mean, I guess is understandable in that they were not, you know, they just simply weren't ready for it. But one of the fringe uh, effects of that was the fact that all of a sudden parents were standing behind their students as these students were being taught, watching on the little screens or the iPads or the computers or whatever, and all of a sudden they were realizing that their kids were not being taught, especially in K through uh, K through six, they were not being taught the basics of reading, writing, arithmetic, accurate thought, logic, reason. They weren't being taught any of those things. Instead, they were being indoctrinated with social issues and social values instead of this. Uh, instead of the basics of, you know, the foundations of what they needed. And that was a huge eye-opening thing for many parents. It was, and that's that's what encouraged and actually activated many parents to, to take their schools, to take their children rather out of the public, local public schools and homeschool them because they didn't like what they saw. And I don't blame them. And they became really angry. And by the way, because you've got uh, snowpocalypse going on right now, guess what? Those children that are being homeschooled are still learning today. And those kids, unfortunately, that are going to, let's say, virtual online learning through the local school district, it's probably very problematic for them, just like it was last year in the Anchorage School District when it was closed for an entire week in the uh, month of December. So uh, the kids that are homeschooled now, they're just continuing to learn today versus, um, unfortunately, like I said, the kids that are not uh, being homeschooled they're, they're having a difficult time, as, as the teachers are, with, with virtual learning, remote learning uh, education. I don't think there's many teachers, I don't know of any, that probably prefer to do online instruction versus actually classroom instruction. And the other thing that you mentioned about um, parents looking over their shoulder and finding out what their children were learning, guess what? If you want to go to a school visit a school, your child's school and classroom, it has to be approved by the local school district and the principal of that school. You have to set up a time and we know what happens. You can't just walk in and, and visit your child's classroom because now it's gonna to be totally structured. The teacher's gonna make ensure that that lesson plan is, is very vibrant and educational. And that you're not they're not teaching anything that the uh, they probably shouldn't be like social justice. Right. Yet when they were being taught remotely, it was kind of just the everyday. Uh, here's what we teach every day kind of thing. And, and you know, and, and many experts uh, have come out and said we lost so much uh 
we lost so much uh, teaching in those two or three years, first two years of the pandemic, basically setting a whole generation back uh, a significant amount of time. Um, and instead of learning the lessons from some of the homeschooling uh, uh, systems or things like that, they were trying to re- – this is what killed me. They were trying to reinvent the wheel. Instead of taking a page out of the programs like Raven or Idea or something like that, they're trying to create things out of whole cloth. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and none of it was working as well as these tried and true systems that have been going on for tw- – 20 in ideas case 20 years why couldn't they just take a page out of that book and work it why did they have to create something all new well that's what that's what bureaucracies do they never they always want to reinvent the wheel even though the wheel's been out there for decades in alaska uh, and and also uh, the public school system they kind of believe that one size fits all in other words you know you got 25 kids in a classroom uh, they all are going to learn the same, whether it's whole language or, unfortunately, uh, whole language or phonics. Um, but they're all going to learn the same. They're all the same. So we're going to treat them all the same, push them through the classroom to the next classroom, whether they've learned anything or not. Um, so but the, that's the thing that I think the educators learn in their in their uh, ed school, colleges of education. And the problem is this is the background they have. And they've always done it that way before. Therefore, it's very difficult for them to change their mindset and say, hey, look over here. This is really working over here in home schools. Let's do what they're doing. Not, not reinvent something, hire more IT people to do our virtual learning program and have, the, you know, have to uh, train the teachers on how to do um, online learning, let's say, education. But... Um, you know, oh, you were you were, you mentioned earlier um, in a segment about uh, the cost in the Anchorage school district, and I think you were, were relating to an article in the uh, Anchorage uh, Daily News. But I listened to the um, finance committee hearing in the um, Anchorage school district. Oh, I guess about a week ago, and um, very very interesting. Um, they have they they suspect. One of the big costs in the Anchorage School District, by the way, is benefits. Right. Now, they said the, the benefits in the Anchorage School District, $174 million. $174 million. Most of that is for health insurance. Right. Which is obtained through the teachers union. And now they're going to increase it, apparently, in their draft contract they have with the teachers union that, that you can go find. And it's also in an article on Must Read. Not, not my article, but Suzanne Downing's article. There's a link in there. They want to increase their health insurance. So let me see. I got it. Uh, doo, 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 doo. Oh, it's going to go from $1,750 a month per member. That's like 3,000 members. To... $1,900 a month. Now that's for 12 months. That's a little under $23,000 a year per teacher union member, which is not just teachers, it's nurses, right. psych, uh, psychologists, counselors, etc. cetera. Um, so here they're increasing the cost to their school district when they admit 
we're, we've got a huge budget hole that we dug <laughs> due to using one-time funding from the federal government. Right, which for, and, for know, reoccurring costs, which we shouldn't have done, but we did it anyway yeah. and blah, blah, blah. It's uh, we're, we'll, we'll, uh, Let's dissect that here in just a second here, David. David Boyle is our guest. We're going to continue here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues. David Boyle is our guest, senior contributor for Must Read Alaska and education uh, advocate here in the South Central area. We'll continue with David in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, uh, David Boyle, our guest uh, here on the Michael Duke Show. Uh, thanks for coming on board and joining us. Uh, where's David? He's located. He's got a lot of sunlight. David is down in Leadville, Colorado right now. He just attended the birth of his granddaughter. So he's traveling uh, right now, but was kind enough to uh, to jump on with us this morning to discuss it. David, you uh, you guys actually bit the bullet and helped out with your grandkids, right? I mean, you actually decided to start doing some homeschooling and and learning stuff, learning pod stuff with your grandkids, right? Well, not really, but you know, I have uh, another. My my first grandchild is is twelve years old now, um, but we, we have not homeschooled them or participated in that. But we we send uh, my grandson. They're in Alamogordo, New Mexico. My uh, son-in-law is in the Air Force, Holloman Air Force Base there. But uh, we pay for my grandson to go to private school there, and um, he also went to a uh, uh, private school in England when they were stationed in England. And uh, wonderful schooling over there, unbelievable. And that was a it was a regular. Well, let me go back. It was a regular school in England, but it was a very good school. Uh, he's in a private school now in uh, Alamogordo, New Mexico. Uh, he has thirteen students in his class. The teachers are wonderful. My daughter gets a, if he's having a problem or he's doing well. On a daily basis, they'll send her a text or an email on how well Aaron is doing or what some of his problems are. And she can talk to him anytime. It's unbelievable the communication back and forth between the teacher, classroom teacher, and the parent, which I don't see much of that at all in the public school system. Um, he's got a, he's learning a classical education. He started Latin in fourth grade. He's in seventh grade now with Latin as well. He's learned about the Greek philosophers in fourth grade. Um, you know, he hasn't learned anything about restorative justice or social justice or critical <laughs> race theory or diversity, equity and inclusion. Uh, and guess what? You know what the cost of that education is, Michael? Five thousand four hundred dollars a year. Wow. Wow. For yeah, a full $5, year. Four hundred dollars a year for a full year. All right. Well, I mean, that's, a, yeah, that's a that's a fantastic uh, that's a fantastic education for that amount of money, especially a classical education, which I think is what we're really missing uh, in uh, uh, in uh, in most of our public schools here uh, in the state of Alaska. Uh, it's 
it's it's horrific to watch what's going on and to see what's happening with the outcomes of the education in this state. And homeschooling has uh, traditionally uh, been significantly higher in the aptitudes and the outcomes than uh, than any of the public school systems that we've seen so far. Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, the, the the thing, the problem with um, comparing, um, it's not apples and oranges, as the educators love to use that analogy. Uh, it's not apples and oranges when you compare um, uh, results in the state test, for example, from a correspondence student to a, um, a, a traditional uh, public school student in that in the state law of Alaska allows any parent to opt their child out of standardized test. And I, I think that's a good thing. Um, so unfortunately, like I said in my article, there's just a very small number in, in the Matsu Central School, uh, which is a correspondence school, homeschool. Very small number of parents that have their children take um, uh, tests, standardized tests, compared to the numbers in the traditional public schools in the Matsu. Uh, so you can't really compare academic results, unfortunately. Now, personally, if I'm a parent, I, I would really like to know how my student is doing on a standardized test and compare that my student to maybe uh, the, the rest of the students in that school district. Right. Well, and, you know, as parents, we had similar choices. You know, we were given the choice and we did put the kids through some of the standardized testing, but not all. Uh, we did want to see where they, you know, where they fell, what they were doing. So we did it probably maybe three times out of the, you know, you get it for whatever it is, 10, 12 times that you get a chance to put the kids in there. And we did it two or three times with each child just to see where they were at. But yeah, we didn't attend the standardized testing. In fact, the number, what did you, it was less than 1%, was it? 0.67% of the students in the Matsu Central Correspondence. Uh, so like eight out of 1,400 students took the test. So it was pretty low. Parents are like, we're not having any of this. Right. Yeah, it was eight out of about uh, 1,200 students in the correspondence program, less than 1%. And in, in comparison, contrast to that, 79% of the students in the Matsu district overall took the Alaska STAR standardized test, uh, the test results that we don't have yet until December of this year. But um, anyway, that's up to the parent. Uh, I'm glad they give them the option to do that, but I would prefer my children to take that test just to see how well they are doing. And I'm, I'm sure most correspondence students would do much better than the uh, traditional public school students. Because historically they have is, is, is the bottom line yes. of that. Although I find it hard to believe that <clears throat> it takes months and months and months. We can, get an, we can get an election result in a week. And somehow on these standardized <laughs> tests with multiple choices and a few written things, they can't figure it out over six, seven, eight months. It's just it's. It's insane. All right. We'll hold the line for a second. Uh, Michael, gonna, Michael, let me say one thing. No, we're going to jump back in. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're continuing now with David Boyle, who is our guest, senior contributor for Must Read Alaska, uh, education advocate. We were just talking during the break about <laughs> we were just talking during the break about uh, 
the scholastic aptitude and the fact that uh, students were not uh, a lot of the homeschooling students weren't taking the tests and everything else. David, you wanted to you wanted to say one more thing before I uh, so rudely interrupted you with a return to a radio here. Yeah, I see my little name down there with senior contributor. I guess that means I'm kind of old. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, yeah. you can. You compared, yeah, it, it, you know, the Alaska Star standardized test results won't be out hopefully until next month, which they took, kids took the test in early April. And you you do it a, a comparison to the election results. I kind of chuckled at that, but, you know, the standardized test results are probably a lot more valid than the election results. So maybe that's why it takes a little bit longer, Michael. <laughs> well, I mean, the standardized <laughs> testing is mostly it's it's multiple choice, right? I mean, it's mostly multiple choice with a few essay questions and things like that. Why they couldn't run that through a machine to figure it out and why it would take eight, six, eight months to get those results back and collate those results is I mean, it's beyond me why it takes so long, other than the fact that maybe they want to hide the results into the next school year so that you can't, you know, if you decide, oh, this is not working for my kids because we took the test in April uh, and you won't know till halfway through the next school year what's going on. I mean, I don't I, I hate to be cynical, but that's kind of how I feel about <laughs> it right now. It's it's pretty crazy. So, David, um, well, go ahead. You might, they might want to just hold them off until after the next legislative session is over. Yeah, don't give them any ideas, David. Do not give them any ideas because they would be more than happy to do that. So we're down. This is the final segment of this hour and uh, today's show. So I want to give you a little bit of a little bit of an opportunity here uh, to say, you know, what do you think is the solution? I mean, you're seeing these trends. These trends are all moving towards people taking a bigger interest in their kids' education, taking a more hands-on approach, whether it's through <clears throat> a correspondence program um, or whether it's through independent learning or even, uh, again, uh, charter schools, Montessori schools, you know, teacher pods or teacher share pandemic. I mean, I read a story here a couple months ago about a teacher who had worked in the Anchorage School District who just threw up her hands and said, I'm done with this. And she started a teacher share program where she would basically sell her services to families who wanted them to come in. And, and she said she was making more now than she ever did as a teacher. I mean, there's obviously find a need, fill a need. There's an opportunity here. Uh, and many of these uh, parents are you know, moving in that direction. But what do you think is the solution um, for, uh, you know, for the, the state as a whole and for the districts, local districts in particular? Well, I, I think the, the entire solution is a variety of, of different uh, programs. Uh, for example, you walk into a grocery store, you look at the cereal aisle or even the dog food aisle, and you can pick whatever you want for your children or for your dog in either case. But um, grow the charter school programs. Uh, the problem with the charter school programs, as I'm sure you're aware, is that they're controlled by the school district. Um, they have to, you know, uh, approve the charter. And if you're a, you're a group of parents want to start a charter school in Alaska, guess what? At least in Anchorage, you have to have a put together a business plan that's probably 120 plus pages long, has to be approved by the school district. On the other hand, if you want to open a neighborhood school, you just float a bond, build a building and open it up. Uh, we need more vibrancy in the charter school program. We need more authorizers. And by that, I mean those people, organizations that are allowed to start, approve the start of a charter school right. in Alaska. Only, only the local school district can approve a charter school. 
There was a bill several years ago in the legislature that got just a few hearings on its all to allow the state to start a charter school, the State Board of Education. That'd be great. Um, the university system to start a charter school. I think the professors and the staff over there would love that as well for their kids. Um, a nonprofit or a local government could start a charter school. We need to take it out of the hands of the local monopolies and let it flourish. Right. And, I, and I think it would flourish just as much as you see right now in the correspondence schools. Um, and as Donna said earlier, there's a bill to increase the uh, state funding for correspondence students through the you know the formula to what I think she said 1.25%. I think that's another great way uh, to, to um, enlarge the correspondence program. The biggest way to improve education in Alaska is to get the information out to the parents, particularly the minority and low income parents about what is available and what they can do. And, you know, the education industry knows one thing, information is power and they right. hide it from yeah. parents. And as you said before, the pandemic, guess what? That showed the parents oh, yeah. what information their kids were learning. Yeah, no, they showed their whole card uh, and not just here in Alaska. Yeah. I mean, we talk the most egregious one was in California where the entire teachers union would not come back to uh, would not come back to work until they had these social justice mandates that were met uh, that were part of the problem. I mean, that was that was the most egregious example in the in the country, but it was happening all over the various states as well. We were seeing this foot dragging going on and everything else. And I agree with you. I think that the authority giving the authority to various entities outside of the school system. I mean, that's like saying, you know, do you want to create competition to your own system that you're benefiting from? And of course, the answer to that is no. Other states have have the opportunity for, you know, organizations, community organizations and nonprofits and non-governmental agencies to start their own charter schools as well. And I think that's something that we should have available here in the state of Alaska. We should be able to do that. And whether it is a charter school or a Montessori or a teacher share or whatever it is, there's always another option. And people, I think, are coming around to the fact that it's not as hard as they were told, That which I, again, we continually we're continually sold a bill of goods by the power of the bee that somehow what we want or what the majority of people want is somehow wrong or bad or too hard for us simple folk to figure out. And they've been discovering that that's just not necessarily the case. No, you're spot on with that. It's not near as hard, particularly in the elementary uh, uh, school children, age children. Uh, I don't think it's hard to teach the kids how to read. I don't think it's hard to teach them how to do uh basic math and foundational math, your times tables, et cetera. It's not hard to teach them science. You can go online and you can find science projects galore for your children to learn. Those that they might really take a particular interest into, into be it uh, either the physical sciences or the life sciences. Uh, there's There are so many things out there now, particularly due to the internet, you know, um, that your child can really learn. Like I said earlier, Khan Academy is one of the best as far as I'm concerned. I wish it, wish it had been there when my children were in school at earlier ages, Khan Academy. Um, but we just have to keep pressing. Uh, the unfortunate thing is we have a legislature that is in, controlled pretty much by the education industry. Uh, very few things get through there that are good. Uh, the correspondence program was one of the good things. There's also the education uh, tax credit that you probably are aware of, where if you work for a company, they can get a tax credit for contributing to a particular, to a, a school, 
for example, you can contribute to a private school so much money and you can get like a, a reduction in your corporate taxes from the state. There are not many people that are aware of that as well. Um, so those are other things that um, we need to pay attention to. Just yeah. keep on pressing. It's all about the kids. Yeah. Every kid is unique and different. They all have various learning styles. And the public school system has a difficult time as a monopoly tailoring education to each individual student. Oh, I, I could and, tell. Yeah, I could tell you as a as a homeschooling parent of five children, we had five different learning <laughs> styles. Five different learning styles. I mean, what worked for one kid, and we thought, oh, we got this whipped, and then we went on to the next kid, and it was like, whoa, we don't have this whipped, and we had to figure it out. And each child is absolutely different. Each one works at their own pace, and you know, I'm happy that each one of them could just you know had the reading and writing and arithmetic, those basics, and that understanding and that, you know, kind of analytical thought, that's what we need. We need that in the, uh, you know, in each one of our students. Um, and I think it's fantastic. David Boyle, um, our guest for today. David, final thoughts here, 30 seconds, no longer. Well, Michael, uh, a lot of people don't think education is very important in the K-12 system in particular. Uh, but I've said for years, it's probably the most important thing we can focus on, and, and it's about the future. And today we are seeing uh, the, the uh, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian, et cetera, problems that have been brought to us by the public school system and the university system. And you can do it, parents. Yep. Just try well, it. Work with other parents. Start a abso pod. Absolutely. I got to say, to quote the philosopher Whitney Houston, I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. We just got to teach them well. All right, David, thank you so much. Folks, we're out of time. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, Michael. All right, Dave. Uh, any final thoughts since we're out now? Any Anything else you want to leave here? Uh, no, I'm going to... Um... I'm going to I have to look at this teacher union contract. It's it's basically a rehash that, you know, all they've done is increase the salaries and um, they've increased the uh, uh, health. The health benefits are real big. As you know, there's a bill in the legislature now to put um, local governments and school districts on the state health insurance plan that would save hundreds of millions of dollars to local school districts and yep. to the state as well. Yeah, we've talked about and that. The consolidation th of that would be $155 million, I think, was the number that came out uh, at one point. But it might even be higher than that now, now that the uh, it's going to cost $23,000 per uh, teacher union member in the Anchorage School District alone. So, And I think the state's uh, insurance program is about eh, fifteen dollars to $17,000. I'm not positive on that number. But it's much less than what we're going to be paying in the city of Anch municipality of Anchorage for health insurance. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I'm going to be paying attention mostly educational in issues in the uh, coming legislature session. All right. Well, and David, thank you, Michael. I appreciate what you do. Appreciate. Oh, it. by the way, I have another daughter. In, I have another daughter in King Salmon, Alaska. Oh, and um, she's been out there about five years and we're paying to send her, my granddaughter out there to a, a private school out there because the school just sucks. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's run by a church. It's a private school, and um, they do self-paced learning out there. And she's doing well. She wasn't. We never put her in the public school out there. Well, good. Good for you. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, you coming on board, David. Thank you for being part of it today. I appreciate that. Thanks so much, and, and congratulations uh, with the uh, birth of your granddaughter ah. as well. So thanks so much. Thank you. 
All right. Well, folks, that does it for today. We are out of time. Tomorrow, Brad Keithley and Chris Story will be joining us. We'll continue uh, with that. Uh, that's all coming up uh, tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show